Hello and welcome. We're glad you decided to join us today by downloading and listening to this week's featured message. We pray that you allow God to use this week's message to teach and inspire you while you listen. Revelation, the 14th chapter. And verse 6. Revelation 14. And verse 6. And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having what church? To preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. It is the first of six angels mentioned in chapter 14. And before the summer is over, hopefully, I will get to that verse and the verses that follow. I've decided, the Lord has led me, I should say, really, to transition from the Sabbath emphases of the first part of the year, which really began with us discussing events at the end of 2007 relative to the Sabbath. People seeking to uphold the first day Sunday as the Sabbath instead of the Bible Sabbath, which is the seventh day of the week. You recall we talked about that, didn't we? And so we selected the theme for 2008, You'd Better Get Ready. Say it. And we followed those closing sermons of 2007 by discussing how to keep the Sabbath holy. And we discussed the Sabbath in the New Testament. And we discussed text in the New Testament often used to undermine the Seventh-day Sabbath. And we discussed refusing to enter his rest and discovered that there's always been some resistance on the part of mankind to do things the way God says they ought to be done. Human beings spend a lot of time trying to correct God to their own hurt. We talked about the importance of just hearing and obeying the Word of God. And then we, we, we closed off before I went away from my surgery and we talked about the fact that the Bible in Revelation 13 predicts the day will come when there will be forced religion. What did I say? Forced religion on this planet, in this country. And all of that just moved me with the Lord to want to move into the latter part of this year, the last half of this year, looking more thoroughly and freshly at the book of Revelation, with particular emphasis on leading you to the three angels' messages of Revelation 14. I'm not going to do the whole book, just get you into that chapter by looking at the chapters that precede chapter 14. This seventh-day Sabbath that we have been preaching about is a part of God's plan to save the planet. In fact, the seventh-day Sabbath is a symbol of the total rest that God wants to secure for the human race. And you know, ladies and gentlemen, more and more as I deal with the folk in the church, I am convinced that the missing factor in our lives, many Seventh-day Adventist Christians do not have peace. Just plain peace of mind. 
Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Lots of us are anxious, disturbed, unsettled. You know I'm telling the truth. Our minds are befoiled and disturbed and, and concocted with issues that, that, that keep us. Many, many of us do not sleep good at night. We're restless. And the devil has gotten a hold of our thinking and chases us around planet earth with one issue after another. Can I get a witness? And hardly one thing gets settled and another comes up. Jermaine, am I talking about it? You know, I'm just noticing what happened this week. Now, I went away to camp meeting and, 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 and you know, working during the week. And then, and then you come home and Sister Wright and I are sitting there last night with our son just having worship. Having what? Worship. Just worship. You ought to be able to have peace when you have worship. And I'm sitting there, and suddenly as I look over into the corner of the den, I realize there is water dropping out of my ceiling onto the TV, which burned out the day before. Now, Sandy, I'm barely dealing with the burned out TV. Now there's water dripping from the ceiling on it. I'm talking about multiplied issues. Can I get a witness in this place? Now last week somebody hit me in my niece's car. Haven't gotten that fixed yet. Is anybody listening to me? And then after working all week in camp meeting, my back starts bothering me again. I, I said, uh, let me say it again. I, I said that the devil chases us around planet earth. With, did I say that? Can I say it again? With one issue after another. I want somebody to say amen. amen. Now I got to call the plumber. Still got to call somebody to fix the car. Confounded TV ain't worth a dime. And I'm still healing from surgery. And you say, Lord. I guess I'm just talking to myself today. Have you ever felt like there's just too much and you can't take one more thing? I need somebody to talk to me today. And so I've entitled my sermon today, Crosby, The Everlasting Gospel. Because the everlasting gospel... Julie is good news. What did I say? How many today would like to get some good news? Come on now, get your hand on it. Some good news. Just, just some good news. Just somebody tell me something good. We won't even discuss all the floods. And you know, it just breaks your heart. You see those people? And you think about it, don't you? Everything, one poor little lady, her first house, washed away. Good news. The term good news, stay with the pastor. The cool, cool's coming in now so I can take my time. I'm not going to rush this sermon today. I want to talk about the everlasting gospel, which is good news. I just feel like today I need to hear something good from heaven. Good news. Good news. <coughs> Get on the night, can't watch no TV, might as well stay in church all day. And you know, we didn't even have any internet. Internet went out. Now, this is the fella who was drugged, kicking and screaming into the 21st century. Didn't care nothing about internet, better net, you net. Now don't have it, I'm upset. Can't, can't email nobody. I don't even like email. Pastor needs some good news. What do you say? All of the biblical information, all of the biblical information in the Bible that is about salvation is the good news. 
And I believe that the world we live in, so good to see Sister Donna Harrison Scott sitting back there, then had her surgery, sitting in church. That's good news. Somebody say that's good news. And the thing you got to understand is in the midst of the bad news, if you're hooked up to heaven, you'll see some good news. It's there. It's there. You've got to have an eye for it. You can't let the devil bedoggle your mind to the point where all you can see is bad news. Because I tell you, and some of you have been there, once you get there, it gets to be a habit, isn't it? You don't see anything to smile about. And so it's my purpose in this summer series to, <coughs> to emphasize, to, 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 to not only deal with the Sabbath, but, but to get into these three angels' messages, which Revelation 14, 6 through 12 says, are the everlasting gospel, or uh, good news. Gospel is good news, good news for a sin-cursed planet. Sin-cursed planet. Good news for a sin-cursed planet. It occurs to me, <clears throat> it occurs to me that if there was ever anyone on this planet who could appreciate this world's need for good news, it would be Adam and Eve. Now, let me explain. You see, Adam and Eve are the first human beings <coughs> who heard bad news. And because they heard it in the context of a perfect world, a world where there was nothing but good news, they, they could appreciate like nobody else the devastating effect of bad news. Uh, they, they saw this planet in an unblemished, perfect state. And, 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 and so they, they could not imagine till it, till it hit them till it hit them, and they're standing there buck naked, stripped of all God's glory. And it suddenly occurred to them that good news cannot be taken for granted. Bad news came to them in a devastating way. The scientific world, hear your pastor, the scientific world would have us to believe that this planet began in chaos and, and, and a boiling pot of smoldering metals and, and chemicals searching for meaning. They, they would have us to believe that, that the order of physical laws and cosmic consistency and biological form and reproduction are the accidents of some all-encompassing called, word called evolution. They want us to think that we have started bad and are going to good. And then they tell us that this evolution was ignited by this ridiculous thing called the Big Bang Theory. And if we have some suspicion about their theory, they just add a few million years to make it plausible. And so, because of evolution, follow the pastor, they would have us to surmise that we today, the human beings today, the murdering, lying, bribing, conniving, and polluting human beings today, that we are the pinnacle of evolution. We're the best that ever was. They claim that the human race as it now is, is the ultimate result so far of our long trek from the primordial slime to the present intelligent state. But there are two human beings who lived here who know better. They saw a planet, Adam and Eve, pure and untainted that did not know the sound of a growling beast or a stinging bee. They, they knew what clear water tasted like. Adam and Eve knew how sweet a rose can really smell. And they knew what it was like to run and, and never get tired and, and to eat and experience complete digestion. They knew what it was to love and, and be sincerely loved in return. So if, if Adam and Eve were here today, they would say, uh-uh, uh-uh. It, 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 it's much worse than it used to be. We have not gone from bad news to good news. We've gone from good news to bad news. Paul understood this, and so he wrote it this way. 2 Timothy 3, 3, 13, he said, But evil men and seducers wax how? Talk to me, church. Wax how? Worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. In other words, ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world desperate 
for good news. The Apostle Peter says, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. So we've not come from, we've not come from low to high. We've come from high to low. No, the ancient people knew this world was on a downslide, that, that bad news was increasing everywhere. Bad news is increasing everywhere. And so, the ancient people understood that human beings needed something reliable, some, just, some, just some good news. See, the old black folk in the, in the fields understood it. And so they made up this song, Wendy, that said, Trouble don't last always. And really, when I think about it, Derek, if, if we're at the peak, if, if, if this is the best, come on, somebody. If what we're experiencing now, if, if this is the height of it, then God is insane. But the Bible said, no, 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 I have not seen, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for us. God said, you haven't seen anything. It's got to be a whole lot better than this. Cancer is plaguing the planet. This is, this is the best. Murders on the increase. This is the best. People losing their houses, ripped off by, by, by chicanery and, and greedy loan and mortgage companies. This is the best. Hunger increasing. Folk laying on the streets, on gutters. This is the peak. Bible writers said it's got to be better. Zechariah 6.13, go there. Zechariah 6 and verse 13. Read this text with me. These are texts of hope. The ancient folk lived in a time of bad news like we are, but, but we're worse now than they were. And, and Zechariah 6.13 says what? Come on, let's read. Even he shall build the temple of the Lord, and he shall bear the glory, and shall sit and rule upon his throne. He shall be a priest upon his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. The council of what? Peace. 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 Uh, look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. 2 Corinthians 5.19. Jump over there. Let's read all these texts. Mm, 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 mm. You ready? Come on, let's read. I need you. To wit, I need everybody. To wit, that God was in doing what? Not doing what? And hath done what? The Bible says there's a plan. We're in a mess. And so God has come into Christ, and, and Christ is reconciling us unto Him. You see, a lot, of you, a lot of your mental trouble is because you don't have peace with God. I hate to say it, but the average Seventh-day Adventist Christian is not sure that they're saved. We're afraid of that word. But you are. See, 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 see. <laughs> you are. He died on the cross. Sin has been wiped out. And all you've got to do is claim it. Stop acting like somebody who lost the battle. The cross has won the battle. We are saved in Christ. Don't be afraid of it. Raise up your chin. Straighten your back. You are saved by the blood of... The devil has no power over you that you don't give him. Lord, help us. 1 John 3, 2. 1 John 3, 2. All these salvation texts in the Bible... Yeah, 
read this text and read it with power. Beloved, start off with that. What does it say? What's the next word? Later. That's right, Clement. When are you a son of God? Now. I'm a son of God. I'm not going to be a son of God. Right now, Gerald. See, claim it. Get the cobwebs out your head. Don't have to have a head full of kinky hair and a kinky brain, too. I'm free. Ron, I'm free. I'm a son of God. Now, what's, the, what's, that, what's that word say? Now, are we what? Now read on, read on. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but know that when he shall appear, we shall be. In other words, well, <laughs> by the time he gets here, I'm already going to be like him. This is why God is working on you like he is. This is why he surrounds you with bad news so that you can get your eyes right on Jesus, get hooked up to your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and forget about this stuff here, and know that you are already claimed by God. That's why the devil hates your guts. He wouldn't bother you if you were not a son of God. Did you hear what I just said? That's why he frustrates you, CJ, because he knows you belong to Jesus. Hey, straighten up. Oh, I said already. Okay. Yes. And so, and so, Adam and Eve were the first ones, Elaine, to hear the good news. They're standing there naked, a bunch of fig leaves around their big old bodies. That must have been a terrible sight, you know. Aprons. No, aprons only cover the front. Well, I'm just telling you all the truth. They look ridiculous. Sin makes you look ridiculous. There they standing there, you know. Homemade aprons. Out of fig leaves. Two trees. They were great big people. So there were two fig trees that didn't have nair and a leaf left on them nowhere. And while they're standing there, embarrassed by the ridiculousness of sin, I hear Jesus say, hey, hey, one day, one day, your seed shall conquer and the serpent shall be killed. In the midst of sin, God sent the first good news. It's called the everlasting gospel. That means it's gospel that doesn't wear out. Know how everlasting it is? We're going to study it for the rest of eternity. It's good news that lasts, oh shoot, forever. Forever. Now, you need to understand that the heart of the good news, Virginia, is Jesus. Let's talk about Jesus. Jesus is the heart of it. Go to John, the Gospel of John. <coughs> we need to learn to rejoice in Jesus. John 1, look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. Now, Carlotta, let's read all this together. Let's see if we can get all these folk to read it with us, Carlotta. John 1, verse 10. You see it? Come on, let's read. He was in the world, and the world was... See, I, 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 I can't get by that. See here, I, I see him in the world. Your Savior all up in the midst between your legs, walking around, little baby, little boy, in the world. world didn't know it. See, that, that's symbolic of what the good news is like. See, you walking around all messed up, Jenny, and all tied up in the bad things you've heard, and you don't know that you've already been given the good news.
See, it's one of the best things you can do sometimes. The devil's messing with you, just tell him. Forget you. You got to learn to talk to the devil like that. Just to forget you. I'm going to heaven. Yeah. Yeah. Leaky ceiling, he's going to burn it up anyhow. TV don't work, well, he's going to burn it up anyhow. If it works, he's going to burn it up. <laughs> Isn't that right? If they dent up your car, he's going to burn it up. If your car has no dents in it, he's going to burn it up. See, get your mind on the stuff that's everlasting. Everlasting. So John says he was in the world. world didn't know him. Keep reading. He came unto his own and what? Verse 11. Come on, come on. And his own did what? But, ah, look at verse 12. Lord, help me. Look at this station. Come on. But as many. No, 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 no. No. It didn't say he was going to give him power. As soon as you receive him, what do you have? Power. See, it's like buying that new car. You ain't paid one dime. Bought it on credit, didn't you? When you drive it off a lot, what do you call it? My car. Don't you say it? Oh, y'all, look at my new Lexus owned by Washington Bank. Ain't what you say. Is that what you say? What do you call it? My car. Ain't paid squat. Barely can pay for the gas. My car. God says, even though you're not worth a dime, the day you receive me, that day. That's why the other text said, now. You receive power. Power. Power to unkink your head from negative thinking. To young lady. I am somebody, because I belong to Jesus, and he's given me power. <laughs> and so John 3.16 John says, for God, come on, say it, so, it's one text of the Bible everybody can recite, come on, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish everlasting life. If you don't know it, just put your hand over your mouth like that, because nobody knows you don't know that text. Everybody knows that text. Now notice, the reception of everlasting life is at the point of receiving Jesus. Oh, y'all didn't get that. We keep talking about the future, Larry. He says, when you are, then you receive everlasting life. You have already started living everlastingly. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to give you the good news. That's why the devil keeps trying to kill you with sin. Because if he kills you with sin, you lose everlasting life. See, life can kill you with cancer, but you got everlasting life. Life can kill you with diabetes, but you got everlasting life. Why? Because when you die in Christ, then those molecules belong to Jesus. And on that great day when he blows that trumpet, you shall come out without the cancer, without the diabetes, without the broken leg, because you've already started living everlastingly. You got to get a mindset. You got to get a mindset. Come out of that hole of defeat you walked in here with today. I know nothing went right last week. That's all right. That's all right. Jesus is the heart of this thing. He says in John 5:39, you search the scriptures. You think you have eternal life because you can study. He said, but they are they that testify what? Of me. And then Luke 24, 27, he said, when you said the Bible, look for me. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Christ is the good news. Christ is the best news for mankind because 
Christ is the manifest act, manifest act of love on the part of a creating God for a planet hell-bent on its own destruction. You know, if you give human beings a chance, we will tear something up. The Bible is full of the good news. Jesus decided, <clears throat> ending into the, I'm moving into the final phase of the sermon now, Jesus decided that he would end the Bible with his own book. Now, I don't know whether he was dissatisfied with what Moses did in the Pentateuch, Isaiah and the prophecies. I don't know. Maybe the Gospels didn't suit him. But it's like he said, they need to have the last word from me. Now look at Revelation 1, verse 1. Look at it. Last word comes from Jesus. Last good news comes from who? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good job. Good job, Moses, I hear him say. Thank you, John, for writing the gospel. Great stuff, Jeremiah, but they need to hear from me. Revelation 1, 1. Let's read it together. Come on. The revelation of Jesus Stop! That's all you need to read. This book, Revelation, is authored by who? A final word about Jesus from Jesus. Yeah. Nobody can talk about Jesus like Jesus. I like to call it her the Jesus plan. See, we cannot conceive of the Jesus plan. Because I have thought this thing through and I've decided there's a whole lot of ways that the Lord Jesus could have saved the planet beside the way he did. He's not interested in anything that I consider. <laughs> See, only Jesus understood the depth of our sin. Only Jesus knew, understood what the law required. Somebody had to die. Do you realize that the death of Jesus, the death of Jesus makes it clear that our death don't mean nothing? Our death ain't worth swat. You know, the angels volunteered. God said, nah, mm -mm. It's got to be somebody who can take full responsibility. It was Jesus. And so the Bible writers, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1.17, for, for, for I'm here to preach the gospel. And then he said in verse 23 of 1 Corinthians 1, we preach Christ crucified. The book of Revelation was written at a time when the Christian church was surrounded with problems and stresses. The book was written during the reign of Domitian. Now, this was a real idiot. You know, people who are put in office don't necessarily have good sense. I will resist referring to any names at this time. It was during the time of Domitian that the labor mines were established. Domitian's reign is key to the book. Now, come on now. We're about to finish up now. I'm just, just setting the tone for the sermon to come. Here was a ruler who encouraged emperor worship. That is, Domitian believed that the best thing in the world you could do was to worship him. He could do no wrong. He's always right. Never makes any mistakes. Trying to resist referring to any names. <laughs> Domitian extended what his predecessor Caligula had gotten started. Now look, 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 look. In the days when Revelation was written, Clement, church and state were coming together. Does that sound familiar? Church and state were coming together. And so the Christians resisted this. <coughs> We will worship no one but God, they said. And so, persecutions ensued, and John wound up on the Isle of Patmos. In fact, one book I read said, apparently all the twelve apostles but John were dead. Christianity entered the second generation. Most of those who had known the Master were now in their graves. The church was faced with the fiercest 
external threat it had yet known, and it needed a new revelation in Jesus Christ. Needed what? Needed what? In who? The big issue in the book of Revelation, and as we will see later in chapter 14 of Revelation, is worship. What word? Worship. worship. Let me explain something to you maybe you haven't figured out. I want to talk to you about troubles in your life and worship. Now listen to your pastor, because I've learned a few things over the few years. The most important thing you do in life is extol God. Do what? Extol God. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Keith, Stan, when troubles possess your life, it is hard to worship. It is hard to worship. Now think about what I'm saying. You've had a bad week, Dan, and you come in church on Sabbath. It's harder to to enjoy the music, to really pray, to listen to the pastor. You're worried about the bill you didn't pay, the rent money you don't have. Come on, somebody! The car that did not start. You see, Elaine Arthur, the whole thing started over worship. When the devil challenged God in, in Isaiah 14, he said, I want to be like the Most High God. I want to ascend to his heights. Well, what were those heights? Well, when you study the great controversy, he got upset because the angels worshipped Jesus and did not worship him. And so he has spent the entire human race's history keeping us from worshiping God to the point now that most human beings don't believe in God. But for Christians, what he does is he discourages you and keeps you discouraged so you don't adore God. You spend your prayers arguing with God. Why me? We shouldn't have to ask people in church to say amen. We should be exploding with amen. We should not have to ask folk in church to respond to the word or to give God praise. We ought to come here. In fact, the praise team ought to be the quietest folk in the church. We should be so full of praise to God. Instead, they have to draw it out of us. Come on, y'all. Sing. Come on. Come on. Stand up. We do not worship, we cannot worship, because we are beset with bad news. See, I'm tying my sermon together now, and the bad news guts us of praise. I'm sitting in church on Sabbath, just kind of leaning over, and maybe if the pastor preaches good enough, maybe I'll stay awake, or maybe somebody says something, you know, maybe... And we're looking for somebody else! To prop us up with God, we ought to be propped up. Filled up. High in Jesus. The issue is worship. I'll keep them from worshiping. You see, worship is like Clorox. It cleans the soul. Praise galvanizes the pressures and... Tosses them out. Come in low, leave out high. Come in down, go out up. Huh? Come on and say amen out there. Come in sad, go out glad. Why? I've worshipped. The person who can't pay their bills ought to be praising God the loudest. Because you're going to be his miracle. Ain't got to die to my name. Hallelujah. Can't pay. Nobody nothing. Thank you, Jesus. Praise his name. You drive the devil crazy. What? What did he say? Thank you, thank you, thank you. What? God is good. What? 
And so the issue was worship. Good news is saying, no matter what happens to me, God is able. Now, I can't finish the sermon. I can't finish the sermon. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. In the book of Revelation, the theme text, see, the key text in Revelation is not about beasts, locusts with women's hair. That's some strange stuff in this book. My wife and I were reading about this last night, locusts with women's hair and blind. See, that don't make no sense at all. But that's not the key. It's not beasts with ten heads. Let me tell you the key to Revelation. The key to Revelation is found in chapter 5. Yeah. (laughs) Boy, I tell you, it's a shame for a man to enjoy his own sermon. Praise God. Shame before God. Yes, sir, having a good time up here. I don't care what y'all doing. (laughs) Yes, sir, I'm glad to be alive. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 12. Now, here it is. Here it is. Here's the key text in Revelation. It's, well, here it is. Come on, read. Come on. Don't hold me up. Read. Saying, Wow! What kind of voice? Yeah! Hey! See, heaven is loud. Too much noise in church, Pastor. Don't make too much noise. Wait a minute. You've got some other place to go beside heaven because you won't be comfortable there. It's loud. You see, they, they're always around the effulgent glory of God and the angels sometimes can't take it so they just pause somewhere on a golden street and say just give me a minute while I can just shout and praise God so it's loud up there all the time saying with a loud voice what's the next word come on worthy what that was what see that's it that's the key to the book That's why the book is nothing to be afraid of. It's all about the worthiness of Jesus. I get up there and finally get loose from all these bad news. And think about all the things God has done. Come on, somebody. Some of us have had it rough. We've had it rough. We've been abused as children. We've never really been loved as grown-ups. We can't catch a break no kind of way. And we look up and there I stand in a body that can't get sick and feet that can't get tired and a head that cannot ache. And I'm finally going to cry out, Hey, hey, worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Ellen White says that human beings are going to make so much noise, the angels are going to say, we, 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 we can't match this. They're going to shut up. Angels will get quiet and watch human beings cut the monkey all over glory, crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. We got good news. I can't finish the sermon. We got good news. We got good news everywhere, and we ought to be living it and telling it and showing it and praising it no matter what. Don't let nobody steal your shout. Don't let anybody take your joy. Don't let anybody leave you without. The love of God is greater far. Than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bound down with care. God gave.
Isn't God good? Yes. It could well be that over these first few weeks and months of 2008, you have forgotten that you have good news the everlasting gospel. And as we will see before this summer is over, we've been assigned the task choir of preaching this gospel to the entire world. But you can't preach what you don't feel. We have good news. We serve a God that can heal anything. God that can make dry paths through seas, can take mud and put it in his hands and touch a blind man's eyes and he sees. A God that can calm the evil spirit, Robert. A God that hears you, Sheree, when you pray. Hears you. A God that protects you when you don't even think you need protection. I'm going to make two appeals, just two. <coughs> the first is to set the tone for this part of my preaching now for the summer. Al, I'm going to focus on the everlasting gospel. I'm going to spend this summer talking about good news. The next sermon is entitled, The God Who Always Has an Answer. I'm going to preach on the seven churches. Total new approach. Total new sermon. <laughs> but you may have forgotten that you've been given good news. 2008 has knocked you around quite a bit. I feel like Crosby between December 2007 and May 12, I was just getting kicked, 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 kicked. And the Lord has shown me, Henry Wright, I'll take what's left of you and still preach the gospel with power. I just need a little bit of you. Just, just give me what's left. Isn't that something, Mark? It's been rough, 2008. Brother sitting looking at me who lost his wife, 2008. Oh, what a reunion, my dear brother. I pray for you all the time. I love you with all my heart. What a reunion. What a joy. You see, in the midst of it all, we have good news. We have a Savior who's above death. So he's already defeated the devil's best weapon. The devil can't even wipe out a Christian. He can step on you, but he can't wipe you out. He can slow you down, but he can't stop you. Come on, somebody. During 2008, you forgot that you have good news. And you need special prayer because something's been thrown at you and you're not sure how you're going to handle it. You want me to pray for you. I want you to come right now. Something special in your life. Special concern. You don't know what to do with it. Want me to pray for you. Now, Al, come up here with me because my second appeal is going to be for somebody to say yes to Jesus. I need you to be watching with me. Ron, you'll be watching with me. If you're downstairs, don't try to come up. Just move up toward the elders. 
But don't sit there downstairs. Don't sit there like you're not a part of this service. If you've been kicked, if you've been hit, and you forgot in the midst of it that you, you have good news, you want me to pray for you. You'll keep your chin up. Because I'm going to tell you, folks, sometimes it's just plain rough. It's rough. It's rough. And you can barely get your head up. Got to remember, you got good news. Trouble don't last always, and we serve a living Savior. Let the Buddhists go to the tomb. Let the Muslims trek to Mecca. When I want to see my Savior, I just look up where my redemption draweth nigh. That's my first appeal. God knows why you got up. Second appeal, you've been thinking about saying yes to the call to join the church, to take Bible studies, to prepare for baptism. You've been thinking about it, and you keep coming here, and the appeals keep being made, and you keep putting it off. You've been thinking about transferring your membership to this church, and you keep coming here, and you keep putting it off. You want to say yes today. Bible study, baptism, transfer of membership, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Elders, you're watching downstairs, raise your hand. You're going to make that decision today. Where are you? Come on, come on, get that hand up. Get that hand up. Ah, young lady back there, Al, come this way, you can see her. She's got the blue, blue blouse on right there. God bless you. God bless you. We'll come to you. Somebody else. Somebody else. Somebody else. Come on, don't let, don't let this service go by and you leave in the same way you came. You know you need to make a decision today. Watch for hands downstairs, elders. Is there somebody else? Let's pray. Oh, another hand. Another hand there, Al. You, you see him? Okay. Okay. God bless you, brother. Young lady there. God bless you. God is so good. Give God glory, folk. Wonderful God we serve. Let's pray now. Father, we're standing here, and I'm standing with them. Oh, Lord, a little leak in the roof ain't nothing, and Dan's car will get fixed, and you can always buy another TV. Probably can do without it anyhow. But these folk are up here because of serious stuff. Serious stuff. There's some folks standing up right now, Lord. They really don't know how they're going to make it. They're not pretending. They don't know. It's not about money being tight. They ain't no money. It's not about problems on the job. They have no job. It's not about a car that won't start. They don't have no car. And somebody's run out of hope. And I'm begging you, Lord. Come near somebody. Hug them tight. Because next week looks real fearsome. they got situations they've gotten into and they don't even know how they're going to begin to get out of it. If they can't do anything this week but fall on their knees and say, Lord, I need some of that good news right now. We need you to make a highway, Lord, where there's no way. We need miracles. We need miracles. Sister Sylvia Brooks is standing in our midst. The doctors have told her they just don't know what they're going to do. She's on a chemo that could cause blood to start flowing inside of her body. But it's all the doctors have to offer. We need help for Sylvia. We've got folk we're discovering. They've got relatives with tumors in their head. Anthony's amongst us. We love him so much. The radiation is just working on him. Lord, we need a miracle. We don't like, we don't like what Anthony's going through, and we're begging you. We can't demand, Lord, we ain't got no, we got no collateral. We're sinners, but, but we got Jesus, and you said, come in his name. 
Please, Lord. Please, Jesus. Please. Please, Lord. We need help. We're broken. But we got good news. We've, we've heard a joyful sound. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Now, for those two that raised their hand, they want to make a commitment today. We thank you for them. For those who yet linger, we pray your mercy. We feel like you came down and visited with us today, and we're very yes. grateful. We needed you to... We needed you to come close today. Help us, Jesus. And thank you for loving us enough to worship in our midst. In Jesus' name. I said in Jesus' name. And the people said amen. If you have any questions about the message or would like to contact us with any prayer requests, please use the prayer request tool at the top of the page. We invite you to share this message with someone else and check back next week for another message. Thank you for visiting with us at www.cpcsda.org. We pray that you experience the presence of God always with you.